With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, everyone? It's the Love, the Jam, the podcast. I'm Chapan, coming to you as always with Rob. How you doing, Rob? I'm doing uh, pretty well. Uh, a nice Sunday. Clippers haven't played for a couple of days, which is unfortunate. Um, but there's plenty of good NBA action going on, so that's mostly what I've been up to today. Yeah, I very much miss the Clippers. They haven't played for a bit, but that's fine. And things have been things have still been pretty fu- uh, pretty fun around the NBA. Um, it's been a fun Sunday. But, I mean, aside from that, I, I, it's not been a fun Sunday for me. I'm on a night shift schedule, and I just pretty much woke up like a bit ago. So so I've been kind of sleeping and missing the fun. But the Clippers have been still pretty popular in the news. Um, they played a back-to-back just a few days ago, really. What feels like an, like an eternity ago. But they've been in the news for other reasons, for very predictable reasons for most Clipper fans. But I guess, like, worth talking for many talking heads mostly because the Clippers have been load managing Kawhi Leonard and it's been talked about a lot and I I mean we can start with you Rob how do you feel about load management in general I mean I think I've kind of talked about this on my podcast with Lewis uh same old Clippers which was I think Wednesday um but some context has come out since then about Kawhi's injury and the medical history that they have. I think for Kawhi, it really is a fear about his degenerative leg issue. Um, it's not really rest in the traditional sense, just like a general, we want to keep this guy rested. Um, you know, we don't want to overly tax him. It's about a very specific injury and not trying to aggravate that injury. So I think that's a little bit different than the usual case. Um, But in general, like, I'm for it. I think that, like, you know, players should be healthy and teams and players should be doing all that they can to ensure those players are healthy. Now, I do think that, you know, for fans who go to games, it's unfortunate. And there's no real way around that. Like, you can say all you want that, like, yeah, the players and teams are not at the whim of the fans – But in the end, it's an entertainment product for fans. And if fans aren't getting entertained, you know, the money line probably won't get hit, but it's still not the best look. I'm not sure how really to go around that. I think, you know, maybe requiring for guys who are specifically on load management arrest, you know, requiring an injury designation several days in advance could work, but then coaches would hate that because of like the mental edge it could give or take away from their teams or the opponents. Um, I mean, I think that's probably the best solution is like if the Clippers are going to rest Kawhi on one night of a back-to-back, I think they should announce which night it's going to be so people can know, you know, a lot of people will be going to the game anyway or will have already bought their tickets, but I, that's just the best way around it for right now. But in, on the whole, I mean, I think 
especially for a guy like Kawhi who has this issue which could really, really damage his career, they need to load manage him. If they have medical data and science and you know, evidence, really, that back-to-backs could be a big issue for him, then he absolutely should not play them. So, I mean, yeah, it's pretty simple. He has medical you know, backing for all this and – I think it's pretty simple from his standpoint. From a from an entertainment standpoint, obviously it's frustrating, and I agree with you. I think the only way to really or like to reduce prices for the games that we know that he's not going to play in, I, I think, would be fair, just because he's a he is our superstar. Um, but now, honestly, it's going to be a thing where it seems almost like Kawhi will play one game, and then Paul. George will play the other and maybe initially one will take rest and the other one will play. So then at that standpoint, you know, you, if you were the Clippers, you could almost say it kind of cancels out because you'd see one superstar. <laughs> uh, so maybe even that would be their tactic saying, Hey, you know, if you're going to come to these back to backs, you'll know that you might not see uh, Kawhi. You also might not see Paul George. So yeah. that could, that could be kind of their, their sticking point. And honestly, it sucks, but no Clipper fans are really that upset. It seems like talking heads are upset, other fans are upset, blah, blah, blah. Maybe Laker fans are upset. Yeah, I mean, I've seen yeah. a few Clippers fans, um, you know, be a little annoyed or disappointed. Like frustrated, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing that absolutely should not stand is this bullshit about uh, you know, back in the day, everybody yeah, played 82 the dumbest. games. Yeah, back in the day, Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas retired when he was like 32. But yeah, <laughs> like, bad, career, bad boy. Yeah, careers are way longer now. Guys are staying healthier for longer. They're playing better in part because they're resting better and they're you're taking better care of their bodies. Yeah, man. I think that stuff is so stupid. And the whole glorification of playing through injury is one of the dumbest. It might be the dumbest stroke in sports. If you're injured, you shouldn't play. You know, Seriously, yeah. If you have like a lightly sprained ankle or like a jammed finger or something, you know, that's that's one thing. If you have a degenerative leg issue or you're trying to play through, you know, a, a broken hand or something, that, that's not being tough or masculine. It's just stupid. Like, yeah, it's just know, dumb. It's so like dumb. The stars, all all those rugged stars of yesteryear, all retired early, all had chronic injuries. Larry Bird, Isaiah Thomas, Magic Magic Johnson came back and he retired in an unfortunate way, but he still had a shortened career. Michael Jordan retired in his prime initially. Like, I mean, it's just you can go through a laundry list of people. I mean, ask Bill Walton how he feels about load management. <laughs> I mean, the, some people just were probably born in the wrong era where maybe their careers could have been extended by things like this. I do worry about Kawhi Leonard. I yeah. mean, from, yeah. from a longevity standpoint, like I'm not going to pretend like this is no big deal. And I, I you know, I have some background in, in medicine and him having a, degenerative issue where other parts of his body is, are compensating and medically have been picked up to be compensating and to have been possibly chronically injured also in the process. Like that's very, very concerning. The question is, you know, how many people have had these issues in the past just undiagnosed? You know, some people might have them now undiagnosed and, and, you know, players like, you know, Tracy McGrady might have had things like this going on and just didn't know about it and was play, were just playing on it. McGrady, I think, as much has said that he's had things like this on the jump, like going on in his body, and he played on it. And his career was shortened because of it. You know, he was a great, great player. He probably could have been greater if he was maybe handled a little bit differently. 
but it concerns me, you know, just from a longevity standpoint, you know, I still ultimately, and this is a conversation for later, you know, there is an idea, let's say Kawhi wins us a championship or two championships in two years, you like give him the full max, right? But there's a slight question now, wouldn't there be? Like, would, would you think a little bit about it before you give Kawhi Leonard like a six year full max? Yeah, I mean, I think six years would be a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think there is a six-year contract. Is there? Like, yeah, oh, yeah, like five years, whatever. Five. Yeah, I mean, even five, <laughs> is, five years is still a lot. Um, I think it really depends how the next two, year go, next two years go and how he looks during those two seasons. I mean, if he maintains this level of play, but he can only play 60 games a season, I think you absolutely still do it. Right. If – you know, you see some fall off or, you know, maybe he does keep getting nicked up, not just for load management, but because he's having these nagging, nagging injuries here or there and he misses more than just 20 games or so for rest. It, it introduces a bit of a question, but um, I don't know. I mean, I think if they win two championships, I mean, I think you have to just run it back. Right. Um, absolutely. And I mean, if they win even one, they probably have to run it back. Like, especially for a franchise that hasn't seen that kind of success ever, a championship would just be, you know, it would be impossible to walk away from that situation for this team. So, I mean, I think it is worrying. I mean, I think that's the part that really hasn't been discussed at all. Yeah. It's all this talk about like load management and what's it like for the league and the fans. It's what I don't think has been discussed is just how this could look for Kawhi Leonard and his career. If this is going to be a real thing for the rest of his career, And, like, does this ever go away? Um, Does it continue to get, like, slightly worse every season as he ages and puts more wear and tear on it? Um, We really don't know. I wish we could have more of a medical perspective as far as the longevity of his career, what this means for his career from like a doctor or like an ortho surgeon or something like that. As far as what it means going forward, Kawhi has already talked about how he feels good, how he has goals of playing late into his career and playing with his kids as they grow up. And, you know, whether that means playing with his kids, if they enter the league, that's not, that's something else. I think that was kind of inferred, but he wants to be healthy for a long, long time to play with his kids and that's great. It's just kind of a consideration now. It's like, well, what does this mean for him 10 years from now? Do we expect him to be playing 10 years from now? Does Kawhi want to play 10 years from now? Is it medically reasonable to expect him to play on these kind of things 10 years from now? Are these are these injuries something that are like new and and, and new for, for somebody like Kawhi? Or is this something that we haven't seen before? Is this something that we've probably seen before but that hasn't been diagnosed? There's so many questions behind it that I think have been lost because there's too many people like yelling because we're on their lawn rather than talking about, Hey, what's going to happen to Kawhi who looks like one of the best players ever, like in, in his prime. And this means a lot for his legacy. The fact that he needs to take off games and it might affect him. And the moment Kawhi Leonard gets injured from something else, I don't want to be around the internet. Because <laughs> if that happens, like I, I'm just not even going to bother looking at Twitter because it's going to be insufferable. And I, yeah. I don't even want to think about it. But it's just, I'm just curious in how it, what it means for his body going long term. And I'm sure he's talked about it with doctors. I'm sure the Clippers have talked about it internally with their doctors. That's what I'm interested in. I don't care that he's taking uh, back-to-backs off. I care about his career because I really I like Kawhi Leonard a lot. Even before he was a Clipper, you know, he's the nicest dude. He's done like good things for the community already. Quiet guy does his business. 
you know, I want him to be, a, I want to watch him almost regardless if he's a Clipper or not, because I loved watching him last year and I want him to play for a long time. And that's what I'm curious about ultimately. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's the thing that needs to be discussed more. And I think I won't go as far as you in like one of the best players ever, but I mean, I think sure, he's right. not that far away. Um, you know, he's certainly a top five player in today's NBA when healthy, most people would argue top three, maybe even number one. I personally, I think you probably said this on the pod before. I personally still think Giannis is the best player on a night-to-night basis. Right. Um, night-to-night but, for sure. But, um, you know, he's certainly top three in one of the most talented eras of all time in the NBA. Like, and people on the timeline all the time argue about, you know, how high he already links it, ranks as an all-time player. And it's super variable because his prime is already super short. I mean, he's only been at this level for like three or four years, if that. And every year at this level is is a commodity because we don't know how much longer we're going to have him. It's not like with LeBron where in like even 2006, you were like, he's probably going to be doing this for the next 10 years. And it's been longer than 10 years. Um you know, Kawhi is not going to be doing this for another 10 years. He might still be in the NBA 10 years from now. But, I mean, I feel pretty confident in saying I don't think he's going to be a superstar for more than another handful um, just because this leg injury seems really serious. <laughs> and, like, yeah, I just don't think, you know, it's going to get better as he gets older. So, yeah, it's it's really tough. But, I mean, I think – you know, I think they're going to keep all the medical very confidential, which of course, you know, they have to, but um, I'd be, I'd be interested to see if a journalist does a more uh, medical themed breakdown of Kawhi this year and tries to really get in on sources or just team information about yeah. his leg and what the and Clippers ha- think. And considering how Kawhi has already reacted from the fact that his knee injury was disclosed, you know, is that even going to be a thing? Like you mentioned, they're probably going to be tight lipped. And I don't know if a journalist would get a sign off on, uh, on something like this, aside from doing an independent work, uh, just researching how you can compensate from your knee, from your, I think it's his other quad, right. And his, and his, that that's the issue. Uh, and his, and his right knee, is it and his left quad or am I flipping those around? I, I think it's his left quad. Left and quad. Right yeah, I think yeah. that's what it is. I think that's what it is. So it would be great to see, you know, I just want to see, I could probably even look into it, but I just want to see if uh, some, uh, like a physician would, would talk about it more. Cause I think that's the concern here. I think that's the bigger issue that people aren't talking about. Everybody's getting so concerned about the here and now, but I'm thinking about Kawhi in later years and how long he can maintain this level of play and, from all I've heard from from Doc and from Kawhi, it doesn't seem to be something that's really they're bothering them. And obviously, they're they're focusing on this season, so it's it's hard to talk about later on, later on. But I'm very curious about that. And long term Clipper fans, I'm sure, are curious about that too. Just from the stars we've had in the past. I mean, Baron Davis and Elton Brand blew out his Achilles. And if you were a fan of Bill Walton and him back in San Diego, you're probably curious about it too, because that guy was supposed to be the best player in the league and, he, and his career was cut short. So um, I think I think it would be very interesting to hear a medical perspective from it a little bit more. Um, 
And that's to what I am curious about. But I'm also coming from my perspective. So maybe I'm thinking less short-sighted and a lot of Clipper fans are feeling the same way. That's what I'm mostly curious about. I want to see Kawhi as a Clipper for like the next 10 years, honestly. And I want to see him at a high level. And is that realistic? It's a big question. So, um, okay. So enough about Kawhi load management. Can listen to you can listen to uh, same old Clippers for more chat on that if you haven't heard it already. Uh, we can talk about these games a little bit. We can talk about you want to talk about that Bucks game first. Yeah, we can talk about the Bucks game. I mean, I thought we we recorded the podcast as a preemptive loss um, because it seemed right. very unlikely that they beat the Bucks, and you know what? They came pretty pretty damn close. I never really felt like they were going to win that. Um, again, I mean, I think Giannis was just too good. I mean, Giannis put up 38 on 21 shots, had 16 rebounds, nine assists, two steals, and two blocks. That's nutty. a banana stat line. Um, Four and seven from three, geez. Yeah, like 18 free throws. He made 14. I mean, he was just the best player in the game by a massive margin. And that's no disrespect to Lou and Montrez, who both played very well. Pat Beverly had a really good game. Um, but, I mean, Giannis is just so far above all non-Kawhi and Paul George Clippers that it just didn't seem like a win was ever feasible. But, I mean, I thought that game was a much better showing by them than the game in Utah where they fought hard and they kind of hung around. Um, but they definitely played much more collected. And the offense is much better um, than against Utah. So, you know, it was a good showing. I mean, I didn't think they were going to win. Um, but I, I like how they played as a general rule and, uh, Montrez really put on a show. He was kind of spectacular. Yeah. And the Bucks played well and they played well and the Clippers kept up, which is very impressive. Trez was amazing. 13 for 25, uh, career high tying, uh, 15 board, uh, 13 boards, five assists, 34 points. He was fantastic. That's a career high points for him. Lou was, Lou was good. Lou was Lou. Um, 34, 11, and 6. Uh, six turnovers to be expected. Didn't shoot the best is also to be expected. He was by far the number one option. Landry Shamit got loose a little bit in that fourth quarter. That was exciting. Um, Pat Beverly really had a breakout offensive game. Shot really well from three. Um, and just played was Pat Beverly. Just a fun game. Um, speaking of same old Clippers, this is very reminiscent of the Clippers of last year. How, how just it really was. Yeah. No quit. There was in them. It felt like almost the first time I I felt like saying that because I feel like the Kawhi Leonard Clippers has taken his identity so quickly already. Like they're a different team and I Mm -hmm. almost know what to expect from them. Now, Paul George will add another wrinkle into that equation, but the Clippers from last year, this felt like them. And this was like the first time I feel like I was watching that, that team. Um, what did you think? How were you feeling during that fourth quarter when the Clippers made their comeback? I mean, it was, it was pretty crazy yeah. uh, to watch in retrospect. I was asleep. Oh yeah. yeah. I, 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 I was box watching and then I watched it after. Yeah. Yeah. I was asleep the next day. Um, and th- asleep the next day. I watched it the next day. <laughs> you fell asleep the next day. <laughs> um, I did not watch that in real time, but I mean, it was really exciting. I mean, I think you mentioned it. Watching Shamit get on track was really nice because he has not had a great start to the season. I mean, I think of any Clipper, he's probably been the most underperforming. Um, he hasn't been awful, I don't think. I mean, I think there have been all these people talking about Shamit's been bad. I mean, I think his defense has been solid. 
I think generally he doesn't make many mistakes. He just hasn't been hitting shots and the ball handling and playmaking aren't quite as advanced as we were, you know, led to believe uh, in training camp and preseason and with all the hype. Um, But it was good to see him hit those four threes. uh, And yeah, I mean, it was, it was exciting to watch it. And we knew what the outcome was going to be, but it's still, it was, it was one of those games where the Clippers really made a push and really showed their fire and like you said, it, it was a game much like last year's Clippers, where a little under-talented, but with so much heart and grit and energy. Uh, and they really made the Bucks work for it, which is saying something, because the Bucks are probably looking like the best team in the NBA again, um, at least in the regular season. So, um, yeah, I mean, I thought uh, it, was a, it was a really fun game. It might be just the sheerly most exciting game that's been played this year. Um, you know, 129-124, lots of offense, um, lots of highlight real plays from Trez and Giannis. Um, Lou had some really nice passes. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was just a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, Kawhi Leonard is, when he gets going, is really fun. Uh, but a lot of the time his game is not necessarily – you know, the most entertaining. Right. Just from a sheer basketball perspective, it really is very machine-like. Right. Um, and watching the Clippers without him is was kind of, like you mentioned, just kind of a throwback thing. It was, it was fun. It was fun. Much looser, everybody getting involved. Man, they should have kept Malcolm Brogdon. They, they would be... The Bucks. Oh, yeah. They should have kept Malcolm Brogdon. They'd be... They probably would be just the best team in the league, period, if they kept Brogdon. He's... He's... Um, He's really good. Uh, yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe it would have been debatable Lakers, Clippers when they're healthy, but that was just a mistake. It's such a massive fall from Brogdon to Wes Matthews. They really should have kept that guy. But that's a, that's another story. Um, so that Bucks game was a lot of fun. Uh, the Blazers game was not as much fun. <laughs> I didn't feel like. Honestly, the Blazers game was just a head-scratcher uh, most of the game. I watched most of it in real time. Um, but then I, yeah. I couldn't I couldn't see the very end, and I watched that a little bit later. Um, but it was just a slog of a game. The third quarter was was maybe the worst quarter this season. I feel like that I've seen. I the fortunately play. missed that, but uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what it sounds like. It's not worth watching again. And uh, it was it was really bad. And it was really just a case of Kawhi saying turning it on and saying let's let's get this done. And Lou joining him, and those two just ending just ending the Blazers who just aren't as good as the Clippers and have gotten worse, have taken a step down this year. So yeah, I think uh, that that game wasn't really particularly fun. Even the first half, neither team was really shooting well. It was just kind of just a lot of missed open shots. And the third quarter was awful for the Clippers and the guards were getting loose for the Blazers. Um, Anthony Simons looks really, looks pretty good. And I'm sure he's going to be in trade talks a lot. And it's a nice rookie, uh, not second rookie. He's a second year, I believe that the Blazers have, he's a nice player, but their bench is otherwise anemic and terrible, like terrible. So Neil O'Shea had a, a very rough summer. Neil O'Shea. Honestly, I don't think Neil O'Shea has done a great job with the Blazers. I know that they, they did, they did pretty well last year, but that was just very fortuitous. The Nurkic thing he kind of tripped in onto. Aside from that, a lot of questionable contracts. A lot was of questionable he there trades. for the McCollum pick? I don't, I don't want to say he was. I don't think he was. I think he yeah. came there in 2014, right? I, I'm pretty certain he was there after McCollum was drafted. Yeah, so I mean the draft sure. history has been 
spotty, like not at, awful, at but not best. great with yeah. him. I, the Nurkic trade was great. And then that's it. I mean, that's really, yeah, that's it. I mean, he had a really bad summer. The Blazers are not that good this year. Um, Lillard is unbelievable, but the rest of that team is not. Hassan Whiteside is maybe my least favorite player to watch in the league. And yeah, he's, and he's just he's, terrible. He's not very good. And, you know, it's interesting because I do write for Blazers Edge. Yeah. Um, every shout, couple out Blazers, shout out Blazers Edge. Yeah. Great community, great writers. Um, and I wrote something about Whiteside um, a couple months ago. And I was actually surprised at how decent his a lot of his advanced stats are. I mean, they certainly don't paint him as an all-star on base center. But, like, generally, he's regarded by a lot of stats as, like, a decent center. But then when you watch him, it's just, like, it just does not look good. And the effort is bad. And the defense is not good. He doesn't pass. Um, he's, like, a really worse version of prime DeAndre Jordan in that he's good at dunking and, like, lobs and can rebound, and that's it. But he doesn't have DeAndre's effort and is nowhere near as good defensively as DJ was in his prime. Um, I feel like I feel like an immediate barometer I use for a lot of centers is how hard do you set picks? And, yeah. and Whiteside doesn't even set them. He just kind of walks into somebody and rolls away. He does none of the little things. He, he does none of the little things. Yeah. Like he's, he's just really, really tough to watch. And if I was a Blazers fan, I'd be going, I'd be incensed with just him and just like, his play. And I, I, I've never liked watching Whiteside. I was never into the idea of bringing Whiteside. I, it was briefly an idea for Clipper fans when yeah. we lost DJs. Like, what about Whiteside? No. Like, I, I was never interested in him. And he just reinforced everything. I love that the inside guys just kind of ripped him apart at halftime. It was great. Um, but aside from that, and he had a good third quarter, I guess, but I still was never afraid of him. He had a three-point play near the end of this game that he kind of, you know, stumbled onto. Uh, with a foul from Kawhi, but even then, I was never like, "Oh, Whiteside, like he's yeah." I think Whiteside actually had one of his breakout games early on with the Heat against us, like a, many years ago. It was in LA, I want to say, and you know, back then he looked like an interesting prospect, but he is just uh, he is not good. I would not want to start him on my team. Yeah, I mean, the Blazers are rough. I mean, they played the Clippers pretty hard in that game, but they a lot did, of those, yeah. the Clippers were just misfiring. Um, and yeah, I mean, Kawhi and, and Lou took over and, and that was it. Um, but yeah, it was an ugly, I stopped again. I stopped watching in the, after the, after halftime, just it's too tough with my schedule. And I rewatched it, um, on Saturday, I think. So, you know, I, I got all the, the basketball info and didn't have to watch a, a mostly pretty rough game. Um, I'm surprised Kawhi wasn't better throughout. Uh, because the Blazers really have nobody that can guard him, but really it's just him missing shots. Yeah. So I was very unsurprised that he was able to take that game over. Um, they're just completely undersized uh, and under-equipped to guard Kawhi. But on the whole, like those are the kind of games I think the Clippers will win this year where they just kind of grind it out. Their defense is able to lock down at key moments. And Kawhi and Lou and PG are able to get just enough buckets to carry it up to wins. I don't think the Clippers are going to win a lot of games via blowout this year, despite mm-hmm. how talented they are, um, at least early on, because I think they still need to figure out both sides of the ball. Um, 
And I don't think they're a team that's super prone to making those kinds of runs where it just seems like all of a sudden the game is put away. Um, but that could change. I mean, so far they've been very much, like you mentioned, a Kawhi mentality of grind it out. Yeah. Slowly win and, and grind down teams to, to, you know, just get the win, which is all that really matters. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of their wins this year haven't necessarily been pretty, uh, but wins are wins. And, you know, the Blazers, while not that great, still have some talented scorers. Yeah. Um, and the Clippers did a really good job on Damian Lillard in the fourth quarter and CJ McCollum. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a nice win. Um, yeah, I'm glad I don't have to watch that ever again, though. That was rough. Uh, McCollum, Kawhi, and Lillard all shot nine for 23, which I thought was funny. And uh, Dame scored 60 the next night in, at home against the Nets and lost. So that just gives you an idea of what's going on in Portland. Um, those were fun games. And, I mean, fun in the, in, the se- in the setting that we won one of them and the other game was genuinely fun. Uh, the Clippers do have an interesting game coming up against what looks like a kind of battered Raptors team who are going to be on a second game of a back-to-back after yep. losing Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka to injury. And it's going to be home in L.A., and after that, the rest of the schedule this week, uh, Raptors tomorrow at Rockets on Wednesday, at Pelicans on Thursday. Paul George is expected to make his debut uh, in one of those games. Maybe the Rockets and Kawhi Leonard is probably expected to miss one of those games. And then uh, a game against Trey Young and the Hawks at home on Saturday. What do you think about those four games, Rob? I mean, the Raptors, the Clippers have really lucked out. Yeah. Um, with especially Lowering being out. Um, as good as Siakam is, uh, Lowering might be the, the Raptors' most important player. He's their point guard. They're keeping it tight. They're, they're keeping it tight with the Lakers right now, which is pure Raptors, but it's going to be a second yeah. game of a back-to-back. Yeah. I mean, they don't have to travel. But, um, yeah. That's a game the Clippers should win. At Rockets is going to be tough. Um, that should be a good test. I mean, I'm curious to see which game Kawhi sits out for and when Paul George returns. Um, but you should beat the Hawks. Like, the Hawks are fun, but the Clippers are better. They're at home with rest. And they should beat the Pelicans because the Pelicans haven't been good this year. Um, the Rockets haven't really been good this year either, particularly. They've been okay. I guess they have a winning record, but their defense have been, has been really, really bad. As yeah, we but probably Harden would have has started to turn things on. Yeah, and- it's James Harden. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the Clippers could go three and one. I mean, I think they could go four and no this week, um, depending on when Paul George comes back and how good he looks when he does come back. Um, but I think three and one is, is certainly not just a possibility. They but should go three and they one. They should go three and mm-hmm. one. Yeah. yeah. I think three um, and one is fair. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, nine and four with Paul George missing a bunch of games, Kawhi load managing and a tough schedule. I mean, that would be a really, really excellent start to the season. Um, you can't ask for much better but yeah I mean I think this week is is not that bad I mean it's another back-to-back which means Kawhi will sit one out um but a lot really depends on Paul George and speaking of um he was ruled out for the game tomorrow but uh he practiced in full yesterday and apparently he's going to return um anytime super exciting I mean not really much else to talk about I think we can maybe think about Twitter questions yeah, I mean, we only have one Twitter question. I think everybody is busy with uh, football and just 
other other stuff. Um, it was yeah. a quiet weekend for the Clippers, as we said. But um, question from Andrew from five to seven: If the Lakers are the Real Madrid of the NBA, they definitely are in parentheses. Then what yeah. European soccer team are the Clippers, Atletico Madrid, plucky upstarts that share the same city, or Manchester City, a known team that were a joke for decades until wealthy ownership saved them? Um, I like soccer. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I watch I watch it sometimes when it's on. Um I actually played soccer, but I, I really don't keep up with it very much and I certainly don't know the teams that well. Uh from those two choices, I'd say sharing the same city is probably the better comparison. So I'd go with Atletico Madrid, but I, I really can't say with I, I I can't I, I can tell you people that would be able to answer this question, but I am not one of them. Yeah. Um I mean, from these descriptions, you know, Manchester City seems like a, a good comparison to I, I think being in the same city and, you know, having having to be in the same thing as the Lakers. I think there was a there was like this Twitter map that was shown recently where the Clippers were like overwhelmingly like hated for Twitter, the Twitter sphere in California and neighboring states. And then it's like the Lakers everywhere else. Yeah, it's so funny just being around Laker fans all the time and then their perspectives. And then, you know. I don't live in a basketball city right now. I kind of wish I did outside of California, but if I did, you know, you probably hear a lot of people just talking up the Clippers and saying good things about the Clippers. And really it's, it is a case of, of man of management and ownership revamping the team. Uh, so I guess Manchester in that, in that way is a similar parallel, but it's just weird that we we all happen to be, or most of us happen to be in LA where we have to deal with, you know, it's a liquor city all the time. It's just, it's such a dumb, it's, it's so stupid. But uh, I would say that, you know, the team has just rebuilt itself from the ground up and it all started with the Lob City era. And the ultimate domino was uh, the Stiviano and that tape that pushed out Sterling and, and really branded this team as being a destination for the foreseeable future at, it really is incredible because Lob City was a great thing and we got Doc Rivers and it probably, you know, the team probably would have been good for a while. But with Sterling, I don't think the team would have become a title contender because or, – or like a real title contender for a free agent destination because that's a huge – it's just a huge thing when your owner is just despicable and has this long, long track record – and it would have scared away free agents. I, I don't know if Kawhi Leonard would have signed with us if we had. Yeah. I don't. I don't think he would have if we had Sterling as the owner. Yeah, I, think I mean, it, I think the Clippers are kind of unique in how miserable they were in so many different ways. Right. Not just being, <laughs> not just being, you know, the second team of the city, but being the second team to such huge extent. Like I think, you know, Yankees, Mets, the Yankees. Are they even more dominant in New York than? The, the Lakers are here. I mean, I feel like there are a fair amount of Mets fans. Yeah, so I, I lived in New York City for two years, and and uh, New York City, there are five boroughs in New York City, and, and Brooklyn and Queens, Queens especially, 
there were more Mets fans. Like there were, there were not no Yankee fans. There were still Yankee fans, but there was a ton of Mets fans. When the Mets were successful, they were the talk of the town. And I think Yankee fans even talked about the Mets, not with just like complete like spitting at them, almost like the Laker fans do with us, a lot of them. But they talked about the Mets and their success. There was a good found, there's a good foundation of Mets fans in, in New York City. I don't think it's comparable, really. I, I think it's kind of different. Maybe it's comparable in the way that, in general, there are more Yankee fans than Mets fans. But it's very regional. I feel like I feel like New York Yankee fans that don't live in New York City are so questionable to me because they have no idea how how that city kind of takes up over the Yankees and how just baseball um, culture works over there. Because you can feel it. I'm not a huge baseball fan. But when the Mets were successful, I was in New York City. When they made their last World Series – I was a med student in New York City, and they were huge. Like, it was huge. I was living in Queens in Brooklyn, and they were, like, a huge deal, probably a bigger deal than the Clippers will be if they make the finals. And they've had a good bunch of fans for a long time. I think it's a a very kind of different demographic. Whereas in L.A., everywhere you go in L.A., it's it's a Laker town, like in L.A. County. Yeah. 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 Um, so, I mean, I think it's a, it was kind of a singular thing of being not just the lesser team, but the lesser team by like a massive margin right, in the city, right, right, right. having a truly despicable owner, having really awful injury luck, um, and basically never having all time great players. Um, you know, I think you'd have to go back to like McAdoo, right, for like a truly great player between. And then between him and, like, the next one who's even close is, like, Elton Brand. Yeah. If, and Brand was kind of – I mean, he just had that one season, really. Yeah. In um, – what was that, 06? Um, where he was just unbelievable. Right. And outside of that, I mean, top five he was really MVP. good. Like, he was an all-star, but he wasn't, you know, a no. legendarily good player. And just for so many years, they just didn't have anything. It was a really unique combination. I don't know if there is a, a great comparison. Um, it's a really, really unique franchise. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we didn't answer your question because I don't think either of us know soccer <laughs> well enough. Manchester <laughs> would be my answer. From what you provided in your blurb would be my Yeah, my mine would be Madrid. But yeah, yeah. I, I'd really, I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't um, tell you. Riff. But uh, yeah, that's actually the only Twitter question we have. I think it's um, the lack of, of Clippers stuff lately means that there really is hasn't been much discussion on them the past couple of days on Twitter, at least from what I've seen outside of some Paul George return stuff. Um, I guess quick question is who do you think is going to lose the most minutes um, when Paul George does come back? It's mm, a good question. Um, I'm not sure. Cause I feel like, I feel like Pat Patterson already is playing minimal minutes. You would automatically think that he would lose minutes, but he's playing, that role-playing power forward who plays like 12 minutes a game. I feel like Lou will lose some minutes. I feel like um, maybe Jeff Green would lose some minutes too. Jeff, and Ro- you mean Jamichael? Oh, Jim, Jim, Jeff Green. Jeff. Sorry, Jeff Green. Sorry. I saw Jay Green. I'm very I traumatized. Flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, I do think Jeff Green should lose minutes regardless though. Um Jerome Robbins. I mean, Jerome Robinson's only been in the in the rotation when we've had injuries, really. So, I mean, I feel like I feel like the forwards, Lou, Lou Williams, Jamichael Green, and probably some shavings off of Mo Harkless. 
Um, Magruder's getting minutes. It's tough. I feel like a lot of people will lose a little bit of minutes, but I definitely yeah. think that Lou hopefully will uh, will have some of his minutes. That's a big down. one. Yeah. I really think that's a big one because Lou is 33 and he's been in the NBA for like 14, 15 seasons now. Like they cannot be playing him 35 minutes a game. Like yeah. that yeah. just can't happen. If anybody yeah. needs to be load managed, it should be Lou. Right. Um, <laughs> well, not as much as Kawhi, but right. like, <laughs> but uh, if anybody else, it should be Lou. Like he can't be playing this, these kind of minutes. So I think him, I like Magruder, but I mean, he needs to eventually find his shot. Yeah, um, I think he needs to make shots. God, every time he his, takes a jumper, I feel like he's going to miss. Yeah, or his minutes are going to get slashed. I do think Harkless um, and Sham will probably lose some too. Yeah, Sham. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I think the really interesting thing, which we touched on earlier, is do the Clippers alternate Kawhi and Paul George on load management days? Do they rest both of them in the same day? Um, you know, to alternate their chances of winning the other one, but really just give away one? Does it depend on the back-to-back in which teams they play? I think all that is really interesting and really we have no indications yet. So, yeah, I'm fascinated to see it, not just how the team looks with Paul George and how Paul George looks, but just how the rotations and load management and stuff shifts because it's going to be fascinating. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. By the way, I just want to let you know that I also have property on uh, on Ty Wallace Island in in case I, I at least have a condo over there. <laughs> it's important to mention. Uh, he's playing. He's playing for the Hawks. He's um, playing. He's playing. He's he's playing. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's played. I haven't watched that much of him, but he seems to be doing typical Ty Wallace stuff, um, which is cool to see. It's too bad. I, I saw on on Twitter. Or I think it was a tweet about Instagram, but Sindarius Thornwell posted on Instagram. Yeah, that yeah. He was watching the Clippers play. I just felt so bad. Yeah. I hope he gets back on the NBA sometime this season. And I think he's an NBA level defender. Um, I was kind of surprised the Cavs cut him. Yeah, he had a he had a good preseason. I don't know why they cut him. I don't know. I don't know, but um, yeah. I mean, I, I hope he he's able to find an NBA home. That made me kind of sad, but uh. Yeah, I don't. I don't think really. I really have too much else. But it's gonna be a much busier week this week with the Clippers. Four games compared to two, and yeah. uh, the return of Paul George. Yeah, it'll be good to talk about that that game. We'll see Ty Wallace on Saturday, and that'll be fun to watch him too. And we'll talk about those games next Sunday. I think that'll do it for this episode of the Live the Podcast. As always, give us a nice review on whatever you listen to us to on. And as always, go Clippers.